Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writer's Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner, Ben Acker, for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others. We've also written comics from Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, uh, and follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! We're doing it. This is a very special episode, you guys. It's the, it's the all-union episode. Uh, I hear that loud click of everybody turning it off. <laughs> this is, you know, it's an important thing to talk about. Uh, I've been in the Writer's Guild for eight years now and you know i know they get me my insurance which is fantastic but that's all i know so i asked a couple of friends here to talk about the guild uh david goodman who you have a position in the guild yes i'm vice currently vice president of guild yeah i know you're very impressed i voted (laughs) oh that's good news uh and david awkward i've I've noticed that ben did not say he voted for i've I've never voted (laughs) (laughs) you get to vote get involved ben do you get a sticker um i vote for the awards oh that's good all right well, well, I give it to my wife to do it. Matter. it. <laughs> uh, and David Slack is here as well. David, who has been uh, actually helped guide me in many ways through a lot of guild stuff and through issues that we face. Thank I, you. I have no here. recollection of that. That is true at all. I, it's, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you have a lot on your plate. Yeah. Um, but I thought you know we'd we'd kind of jump in by talking about you know before getting involved with the Writers Guild, what was your experience in unions? What was your knowledge of unions and what they do? Uh, and this is, you know, obviously some deep background stuff. But but why don't you kick us off? Uh, well, I, I knew very little about unions. I grew up in Texas, which is a right-to-work state. So I knew that unions were a thing mostly from, like, them talking about the police union on Hill Street Blues, you know? <laughs> like, And uh, so I didn't really have any experience with that. And when I came out here, my, the first union I joined was Yahtzee. I'm in Local 839, <laughs> the animation guild, because um, uh, I started out writing cartoons. And... Um, it was. I was like, okay, here's this thing I got to do, and uh, and then when I joined the Writers Guild in 2005, it was when it was in the run up. I didn't know it at the time, but it was in the run up to the, the the strike, and we were sort of getting our ducks in a row. There was this big like the East and West Writers Guild, where you know it was th- like as soon as I joined, I had to pay these massive dues, and there were like letters being fired <laughs> back right. and forth from the East and the West, and it was it was actually in hindsight quite smart because if we hadn't done that they would have been able to break the union uh, over that. So, it, But but for me, I, I thought it was an enormous pain in the ass, frankly. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the dues were, you know, a little steep. And now seeing, like, what my wife uh, had to go through to get into SAG, I, I actually really appreciate how easy it is to get into the writer's <laughs> guild. Right. You, just, you get the job and you're in. Right. You but know? That, is, that said, it is shocking when you get that job and the first thing you're told is, like, pay, pay this, this amount of oh, money yeah, right. and oh, yeah. start paying and, dues. And they hadn't started. I had to pay the dues and they hadn't started paying.
seeing me on Law and Order yeah. yet, and I was like, "Is there an installment plan?" And, and they, <laughs> yes, thankfully there and is. And there is. Who was your showrunner on Law and Order? Uh, which year? Uh, I had four different bosses while oh. I was there. I was hired by Overmeyer, uh-huh. and then um, I worked for uh, Nick Wooten and Waylon Green, who oh. were nice enough to keep me around oh. when they inherited me. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, Renee Balsay oh, okay. in my last year. Um, but so, uh, and then while I was on Law and Order, we went on strike, and mm-hmm. that was really where I kind of got it, where I realized, like, wow, this is a whole group of people who are like me, who do what I do, and who will all band together to fight for something that is as important as the longevity of our industry mm-hmm. um, and our ability to, you know, continue to do it. So mm-hmm. it, it was really during that process that I, I realized what a big deal this was and what a great thing it was to be a part of. I think we'll, we'll talk about that strike specifically because we're still feeling ripples from it. Um, but but uh, Goodman, how did you get involved with the WGA? Well, I mean, just in my background, uh, growing up in New York, actually uh, the exact opposite of you. All, all <laughs> my, my, a lot of my family were actually American communists uh, and were u- real union organizers. And, and then I, I have a first cousin who I mean, who became an organizer for the Communication Workers of America and then became a lawyer for them for a long time. And so it was the stories of organizing unions was like, you know, around the dinner table uh, uh, kind of thing. And, and um, but I wasn't a, I, I don't know that I was a very strong union member, uh, but uh, until um, I had a rough couple of years, I, I, I've been a writer for about 27 years and uh, about 10 years in, I had a rough patch. I had a trouble getting work, and I had a house and a couple of kids, and it was really kind of scary. And the, the last show I had done was a show called Team Night Rider, and uh, <laughs> not a great credit. And, I did uh, watch that. Uh, the, wow. I, that's, I was down. Right? Is, I, yeah. I don't know who, who to feel sorry for in that conversation. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But it was for the show for first run syndication, and I literally was at this moment saying to myself, "I might have to stop being a writer. I might have to just go get a job of some sort." And who knew who the hell knew what I was going to be able to do? Uh, and then I got this residual check for Team Night Rider, hmm. and it was a really big check, and it allowed me to stay in as a writer. Yeah. And then as I got involved in union stuff, it was really uh, I started working on Futurama shortly after that, and then Patrick Verone was at that time Secretary Treasurer of the Guild, and and started to hear more about the politics of the Guild, and then really became aware of just that the sacrifices that other writers had made so that I would get that residual check, uh, getting knowledge about the history of the Guild and that writers themselves gave up money themselves so that we could get residuals or or health and pension. Mm -hmm. Um, The health and pension one is is just a remarkable story. Back in, I think, 1960, writers gave up any residual money from the whole catalog of movies and TV shows before 1960 to get a health, health and pension. Wow. That's a huge amount of money yeah. that they gave up and that they didn't necessarily see any benefit from. Yeah. Uh, and they were looking forward, and we now have something that we take for granted mm-hmm. for the sacrifice that those people made. And so, so you start to see that, and you also start to understand, as I, um, the first thing that I got involved with, Seriously, with the guild was a um, 
the Family Guy video game, uh, uh, th- three writers wanted to get it covered, and the the company that was doing it didn't want to, and it became a real tough situation. And um, Seth MacFarlane's a big union guy, and so the two of us were really backing those writers, and and I, that was probably my first real involvement, day to day involvement with something with the guild. And then Patrick, who then I was, I think. Uh, running for president or, or already president uh, asked me to run for the board, and and that's that sure. was the beginning, and that was also right around the same time you're talking about in, in 2007, so right before the strike. So. Oh, that's really interesting. The the Family Guy video game. So what wound up happening? Well, I got covered, uh, but the video game, you know, video game coverage is a really difficult and long issue. Um, you don't really get residuals. It's really just about getting your p- health and pension. Yeah. We haven't been able to organize video games because it's a very different kind of business. Programmers have so much, so much more to do mm-hmm. with a game than the people writing the script often. It's also very hard to so many different shops, so many different yeah, people mm-hmm. doing so many different things that organizing video games, although a priority for the guild, is not something that we've been able to make huge uh, yeah. uh, progress on. But, but I know this th- is one of the ongoing conversations yeah. with video games and animation. Right. Yeah, uh, well, different I, I kinds mean, I was of writing. say the shows, you know, like Futurama and Family yeah. Guy, that's part, that's one of, I think, the big organizing success yeah. stories yeah, right. of the last 20 years yeah. is the, the shift um, of, what was it? It was uh, Simpsons and King of the Hill, and I can't remember if Futurama was on yet. Then. Yeah, no, it was, all- it was Simpsons, King of the Hill, Family Guy, Futurama, and the PJs. Yeah. Right. Now, the advantage was that they were all produced by the same studio yeah. for the network. And and they also the other manager was Simpsons was this giant hmm. show yeah and they were willing to essentially go on a, a, on, on strike which I think lasted twenty minutes uh, but because Peter Chernin at the time the head of the studio said who actually I think one of the quotes I heard was he thought it was already covered hmm. like there was a way in which I don't think he necessarily saw what he was doing by saying. Oh, all right, let's cover these. <laughs> yeah. um, how momentous well, that yeah. can be. The, the background <laughs> right. on that, for, for anybody who's not familiar with that story, is that they uh, they were covered because they were animated shows. They right. were staffed primarily by primetime comedy writers, mm-hmm. people like right. Greg Daniels, and uh, et cetera. Um, but they were covered under Local 839, the right. Animation Guild, which is a fine union. I'm a member of it, but you, they weren't getting residuals. They weren't mm. getting the same uh, minimums. They weren't mm-hmm. getting the same contributions. And it was also splitting their pension, splitting their health care. So they got together and, yeah, had had a strike for all of right. 20 minutes. And, and what, what Were they covered by IATSE? I think they might have been non-union. It might have, it might have been I think they were non-union because I don't think the guilds could have organized them if they were already covered under IATSE. That's, okay. that's actually, oh, it's illegal. That's one of the big problems in animation is, is jump from one. We can't organize, try to organize a show if it's already covered by another union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And so that's the biggest problem in animation, and the studio sort of recognize that, and they'll go right to IATSE right. because it's a better union for them financially. I think, I think that might have, I, what may have been going on when I was, so I guess I'm wrong about that, but I guess they were, at, at the time that I found out about it, they were right. offering to cover it uh, yeah, under IATSE, gotcha. which yeah. might have been one of those. But yeah, I think, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So let's talk about um, what we, as, what the entertainment industry at large gains by having unions, uh, because all of the, you know, all of the pieces that, all the people and the pieces that make up a TV show or movie are basically unionized. 
so what does the entertainment industry gain by that? And what do we, as the people who make things, gain by unionizing? Well, historically, I mean, I think that the people, and it's harder now, I think, but, the, but historically what the union, what unions did for creative people was the idea of sort of gave you the ability to uh, r- ride out a career, like that ride out the ebbs and flows, of, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the natural ebbs and flows that happen in most careers. Not a, sure. Usually everybody... Um, doesn't have just the rocket to stardom, although we, we all hope that that's what we're going to have. There's always going to be these sort of downtimes, and and what being what a union does is allows those members to um, count on uh, health benefits and um, residuals and things like that that can help someone ride out the rough times. I think that the, the thing that writers really especially take for granted uh, – new members, especially this idea that you're working one place for 20th Century Fox on one show and that money is getting sent to your pension and to your health. And then you go work for Warner Brothers and that that pension and health transfers like no other (laughs) business has that ability to transfer your pension from one company to another. Now, the union means you're doing the same kind of work. You're just doing it for a different company. And the idea that that union allows you um, uh, stability, really. And, and portability. And portability yeah. in a really unstable business. Now, it's gotten much harder, I think, to maintain that stable career. Uh, used to be, when I started out, longer orders of TV shows. You do 22 a year or 13, it get canceled, but there'd still be... Uh, longer work, right. uh, a longer amount of work. Now, much shorter, out, shorter orders, uh, smaller staff, s- smaller staff, overall deals. Yeah, yeah, so that it becomes harder. But the union's still there and still making sure that you can, you know, pay your doctor bills. And, yeah, and that and that portability is is huge because otherwise it'd kind of be. I mean, a at this point in my career, I'd have six different pensions. I'd have health care that flickered in and out of existence mm-hmm. as I moved from one place to another. It, it would be, you know, right. it, what, it, and that's where, you know, where the union is providing something that's good for both union members and, believe it or not, for the, the studios, you know, that we negotiate right. with, because if they had to manage that, that would be additional expense for them. They have to pay the contributions. That's what we negotiate for. But the number of personnel that they would have to have to deal with me, call, just me alone, calling them, being right. like, I didn't get my contributions, right. and now I need to port this over and do a quadro yeah. and all that, like, it would be incredibly complicated. So well, it's Well, also, the other advantage that the studios have, and I don't think they necessarily recognize this, is that you, you are allowing for the seasoning of your talent. That is, a writer, writing careers are generally very short. Uh, people get a job, and then it doesn't last. But that, that, And then they decide, I can't do this, or I'm not getting work. I'm just going to stay and home I'm and cry gonna, from right, now on. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and, but, but for the people who do stay in, the idea that the guild is there protecting them and helping them have a stabil- uh, some stability is that that writer is becoming better. Mm-hmm. Is becoming more seasoned. Is it you know, and is somebody then that the studios can rely on to uh, write a better movie, run a show more efficiently, um, because that level of experience is always value added to any writer. I mean, there's the myth of the overnight sensation, the overnight success in Hollywood, and I think often that's somebody you just have has been working for a long time, you just never heard of them, yeah. and then suddenly you it's hear ten of years them. to yeah. be an right. overnight. It's, it's really the overnight. 
publicity. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. And if you look at, I mean, if you look at television and you look at comedy and drama on both sides, the people doing the most successful shows, for the most part, are the more experienced writers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the more the better movies are written by the more experienced writers, and so the guild helps those writers stay in, mm-hmm. so that they can bring right. that level of experience and, and, along and, with their talent, and not just with residuals, but also they, they now have the show are in a training program, and right. they're, they're doing there's doing a staff writer boot camp that yeah. you know oh, so so there and there's there's a lot of infrastructure there to sort of create a community of members so. You know, a, a lot of my close friends are people I met during the strike. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. kind of a very beneficial thing. And I think when when the union's doing its job right, it's a good partner in the industry mm-hmm. rather right. than strangling it. Well, I mean, I think that that's and that's really the key is that I think that it's a the the business is a business, and the companies are are looking to uh, in any way they can increase their profits. So the guild is often painted by the by the companies as this thing that's getting in the way of business it's getting in the way of progress and, and in fact it's the opposite uh that that you know the, the guild is a business partner but mm-hmm. in their own their own agenda is to m- sort of divide our members from our leadership and say your your leadership's not looking after you listen to us and this is often where many of the problems come in that aren't really caused by the guild at all, sure. but it's just the cost of doing business with studios. Well, and, and, and that's another thing that, that the union does is by negotiating. I mean, there are so many things that come just in the MBA, the Membership Basic Agreement, that if we didn't have a union, I would have to negotiate every single sure. time I made a deal, and right. no one else would get the benefit right. of that. The fact that we negotiate... And that that would be my time and money, and that mm-hmm. would be the studio's time and money. And I'm sure I would come out the loser on that uh, negotiation. But the fact that there's this whole suite of rights and things that are already decided that that's standard. So really, what we're negotiating about for any individual writer's deal is a handful of deal points, right. you know, over and above right. just these basic things. It's actually, I think. A huge time saver, and it definitely you know helps all of us. And and the well, it definitely helps all of us. I think that the companies would rather that all those things weren't. They'd sure, rather sure. individually negotiate with us because they'd rather screw us as many people. <laughs> yes, they can. no, so, which is I because mean, it saves the money. I mean, yeah. that's you know. Yeah. So can we can we talk about some specifics on that basic agreement? Um, because again, as you mentioned at the top, some of the some of the listeners are <clears throat> would be writers or have a foot in the door, so they're about to enter into this agreement right. by becoming guild members and right. by working in the industry. So what, is, what are the basic things that we can expect uh, the, the WGA has made sure that we as writers get on a, say, on a television show? Well, I mean, at the, at, you know, it's something that new members don't really think about because they're often young and they're healthy. <laughs> but pension and health, mm-hmm. uh, which once you're in the guild for a while, really does start to matter a lot. Uh, you get Probably one of the best health plans yeah. in the country uh, is is mm-hmm. and that that's probably the biggest thing that the guild does for once you remember mm-hmm. that the, that 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 health benefit is just amazing. Um, there you, and then later as you get older, your retirement, uh, mm-hmm. the pension is a it's a great pension. Um, then 
on top of that, you have residuals. The, the company is, you know, you do, you, there are residual formulas for the various ways in which you work in this business. And it is a way of guaranteeing that in success, a writer is going to see some profit mm-hmm. from its, from the, from the thing it he, he or she creates or, or had a hand in. Yeah. And that also is something I think a lot of members take for granted, like the green, yeah. the green envelopes that come in the mail. I, I, I've not taken a single one of those for granted. <laughs> yeah, Even the right. one that's for like $4. Right. right. $4. I get to buy a cup of coffee today. Yeah, right, yeah, right. That's a nice little bonus. <laughs> a little bonus. And, and I think that 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 both those things are an ongoing battle with the studios. The oh, yeah. studios would like hmm. to make our health plan less uh, less good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, well, I mean, the, desperate writers are easier to negotiate with, right? Absolutely, you know? right. And yeah. and so they want, right? You know, uh, I would say those are the main. Those are the main advantages of the MBA. I mean, I think uh, minimums ba- minimums for scripts mm-hmm. uh, that are negotiated. I mean, I think in television, the script minimum is less important. Uh, minimums for salary, uh, because the, not less important, but le- they once you're working on TV shows. You're you're getting paid the minimum, right? Um, but I will say, I mean, but it, it doesn't matter. Absolutely, yeah. As absolutely. someone who sold right. pilots before getting right. staffed on a show, right, right. having those pilot minimums right. for someone with no credits was mm-hmm. a huge deal. Right, well, and, you know, and having some point of reference. Yes, a- absolutely. And and there are there are protections in there that are so fundamental that I think we don't think about them. There's something I've heard about recently that disturbs me. I've heard several instances of writers at the end of their first year as a staff writer being approached and said, well, we could fire you, or you could sign a new contract and do a st- be a staff writer again. And that's, uh, I was told, a violation of the MBA. Yeah. And unfortunately, a, a lot of you know newer members are too scared right. to make it. You know, right. You'd have to, to go to the to, guild and make You'd have to go to the guild, yeah. and that, that's, that's a whole thing right. you know, about what, what is, we should talk about. It. What is it to, to get into an issue like that? But the fact is that that is in the MBA, that you're protected in that and probably right. countless other ways yeah. that none of us have to think of because right. this stuff is so shady that the studios know better than to right. try and do it. This is one where they're being, right. in my opinion, kind of shady. Well, the, right. and, and another one that I know we've talked about in the past is uh, the endless rewrites or yes. a lot of the free right. writing that right. goes on that I know, you know, the Guild has certain guidelines. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they are actual, you know, if, if they're in the agreement or not, but this no, is... No, no, well, I mean, you're not, writers are not supposed to work for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so any, you're supposed to be getting the minimum, if you're working on a TV show, you're supposed to be getting the minimum for that week. You're, you know, you're, if you're writing a screenplay, there's, a, you know, minimums in the deal. Uh, and usually when you're negotiating your contract as a screenwriter for a feature, the, how many rewrites are, are mm-hmm. laid out in that mm-hmm. contract. And often, and it happens a lot, writers, uh, a producer will say, well, let's do a rewrite before we turn it in to the studio, and you'll do a couple of rewrites before they turn it into the studio. And this is something that's just a huge problem because you're, you're basically saying to the members, you have to tell us. And this member who is, you know, Creating relationships with producers in the studio doesn't want to jeopardize those relationships, right. and and until, and especially for feature writers where there's much less yeah, work yeah. than there used to be, uh, this is a very this is a very hard problem to solve. Uh, but but we're but the guild is always there to fight for those members and has had a lot of success hmm. fighting 
those battles. I mean, so the, but the, it really is up in to the members in those cases to say I'm being taken advantage of and for obvious reasons, writers are reticent to do that. And then that is also now happening to a large extent in television, yeah. that writers are writing pilots and they're doing endless rewrites of outlines. And, and again, this is the same thing, the same problem, which is members, you're, as a writer, you feel very alone. And I, I just say to the members, you know, don't feel alone. Come to us. We'll work it out. We won't screw it up for you. We'll figure out what we need to do to make it work. But even that step, making that step of calling the guild or calling someone you know in the guild is scary because you feel like you might be jeopardizing your uh, My experience from having done that a couple of times <coughs> is that it is like there are people at the guild who are just waiting for the Ghostbusters phone to ring right. like, just because that's that's their job and they want to do it but you have to have your own back before the guild can have yours. We had a, almost every job that I have ever had when, when a first season show, when you start up a new show, it would take six to seven weeks to get your first paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't go to McDonald's and not get paid in your second week and keep coming yeah. in. But it was routine that we would – so it would take six to seven weeks. So when I started on um, – uh, I guess it's okay to say the show. Uh, when I started on Person of Interest, I mentioned this to my fellow writers, and everybody had had similar experiences. And so I talked to the Guild and said – you know, and people raised that question of, like, aren't they going to get mad at us? But in fact, it's a completely different group of people, and mm-hmm. all you're doing is asking for enforcement of what we've agreed to. So we all tracked right. what – when we got when we turned in our last piece of paperwork right. versus when we got paid, I sent it to the guild. Yeah. It took about a year, and I got a check for twenty five dollars um, for the interest on <laughs> the interest. it. But they never paid anybody on that show late again. Really, we were right. always paid That's on time right. because. It, it, and all it is is just breaking through that bureaucracy right. and having that kind of backstop. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's that, that studios do stuff because they get away with it, and it's not. <coughs> there's no malice there. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just that they do it, and and then you just have to stop them. But the guilds had lots and lots of success getting money owed to writers and, uh, yeah. Well, and they'll, they'll, I mean, it's, it is a negotiation at every level. Cause I remember after the strike in 2008, every point that we won in that strike, they didn't do right. until we threatened to sue them. Yeah, like, yeah, we no, had to push them to rough. actually comply well, with the contract they'd agreed to. What's so interesting about the strike. And I think that I mean, I'm transitioning onto this, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's something is that, that's gotten lost in the in the in the almost ten years now since the strike ended or in nine years is that we won yeah. uh you know it's not and it's hard and there was not without cost people lost lots of money and lost deals and it was tough and and there were a lot of sacrifice on the, by the members, but we won we went into that strike and the strike was about new media. And it's very hard to remember for most members, a lot, a large percentage of whom have joined the guild since the strike, that there was no streaming. There, was, Netflix didn't stream in 2007. Yeah. There was no Hulu. There was no Amazon streaming. There was no Crackle. You know, it was all just starting. Hulu went live the day after the strike ended. The companies knew what was happening. The companies knew where this was going, and that's why they took a strike. They really didn't want to give us. Uh, uh, coverage jurisdiction for made for streaming content because they knew all the guys working for them knew that was what the future was. Now you look Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, all the shows that are produced for those services, Crackle, all those services are guild shows. Yeah, yeah. And it's very hard. It's very hard for me who went through it at that time to listen to people to say, "Well, we really, we strikes no good." Blah blah. blah. I, we shouldn't have to go on strike 
But that idea that that we did it and succeeded is sort of lost yeah. is is really an important uh, important point. We we won. Imagine, we won the strike. Imagine trying to organize House of Cards now. Right. Ima- we now, that, now that they're making yeah. huge amounts of money. Right. I mean, and this is this is trickled through because now that we have the streaming rights and the foreign markets have become yeah. so much bigger, shows are starting in the black. Right. Like mm-hmm. a pilot yes. isn't a loss leader right. anymore, or no. whatever the the term is. Right. Um, but. Th- and that was the thing that for me, you know, as a, as a younger member then, it, that was very clear is that it's now or never because yeah. they're, they're not going to give this to us once they've really started making money. And, right. and, and we had the, we were lucky. We had right. the music industry as a canary in the coal mine, right. you know, to say this is what happens. And we also um, uh, are lucky that our file sizes were still prohibitively large yeah. to prohibit, like that streaming became the dominant model. Right. What right. a huge thing for everybody because yeah. that's you know, something we can monetize. But yeah, yeah we, we could not get today what we got then, which is right. just the simple basic admission that broadcast is broadcast, whether it is over the airwaves or right. via the internet. If you are using our product, we have a piece of that. that it was an important mm-hmm. victory. That yeah. Important. And, and, and that's the thing. And, that, and that's why the companies took a strike. They yeah. knew... Yeah. They knew what the future was, yeah. and they knew what money they'd be giving up if they let us get coverage. And, yeah. you know, I mean... No, I, I remain very happy with, yeah. with the result, and I know... Yeah, I'm not talking you know, to you. I'm talking no, to you. No, oh, yeah, and, and yeah. I know that's the thing, because I know there are a lot of people out there, and, and to people who are members right. someday, mm-hmm. you know, the day will probably come when we need to take another right. stand like that. And it is mm-hmm. tough. I mean, as, as writers... In television, we got to be out six weeks before anybody notices we stopped coming in because right. our lead time is so much. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the Teamsters go, we're shut down day one. The <laughs> actors go, we're shut down day one. But the advantage that we have is that um, because of this explosion of product, uh, there's so many, so many places that people are watching so much stuff that new product now more than ever is really important to the studios because mm-hmm. it's the way you get people back and if you stop having the new product you obviously have your libraries and these services and such uh, and your reruns on broadcast and cable but that's where you start to lose your audience and if you can't keep making new stuff that that's really that's really scary to them and and you know and i think um I had something else to say, and I forgot. Uh, but uh, well, but off that, the, the, our product also has a longer viable uh, financial life, yeah. uh, profit life, right. than, than mm-hmm. it used to. Like, right. my wife and I are watching Gilmore Girls from the beginning right, right, right. now <laughs> because it's on Netflix, and right. it's a great show, and I love it. Right. Um, and, and that didn't used to happen. Not, you know, at right. the most, some right. shows, you know, Star Trek notably would live forever in syndicated reruns, right. but that, that was rare. And now that's happening with shows that went, you know, one season, right. you know, right. so, yeah. and, and it's better for the consumer because there's more content and there's right. a bigger variety of it. And it's better for the industry because they're making money off of stuff that otherwise 25 years ago, yeah. they wouldn't have made more money off of. Right. So the, you know, the internet model, the streaming model, it's good for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree. I think it was a, a huge win that we got them to admit what should seem fundamental that, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you're playing it on, you know, small screen or a little right. screen, mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. But that was that was actually a in at that time a big question. It was, it was, it was a hard sell. It was a hard sell to the members, and I think that that is the other piece of it, which I think members don't quite understand, is that the membership decided to go on strike. It wasn't, you know, there, I think there's an idea that some bureaucracy at the guild in secret closed door sessions said, "All right, this year we're going on strike," yeah. and it's the not 
how this union works. The members at that time were overwhelmingly in support of, of going out on strike on this issue. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that has sort of been lost to time. Mm-hmm. And if you're a new member coming in, you think, oh, shit, this guild can take me out on strike when it, with it, mm-hmm. whenever it pleases. And it's just not how it works. You, you, you have to get your members on your side. How was that done? I, I don't remember. I mean, it was so long ago now that I don't remember. Well, I mean, basically what happened was the, the, we knew this negotiation was coming up, but I wasn't, right. I, I came in late to the strategy, but the, the, but the, the member, the board members saw this moment, understood, had, had looked at the, what was happening with the technology, had really looked at the business and said, streaming is going to happen soon, and our last chance to get this covered is the next negotiation three years out. So about three years out, they started to educate Mm -hmm. the members about streaming, about new media, about what David's saying about any screen is, you know, having our product on it. The idea wasn't to go on strike. The idea was we want coverage of this. And Right. We, the companies immediately started to paint the the leadership of the guild as crazy and and unreasonable, and because they didn't want to give us coverage, and but it was an education of the membership that happened over a couple of years mm-hmm. or a year and a half uh, to educate them. This is coming up, and then what happened was the. Um, when the companies wouldn't negotiate on this, we went to the members and asked for what's called a strike vote. Now, this is not um, – the vote itself wasn't uh, – the vote gave the, the leadership the ability to call a strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and overwhelming majority, understanding what this issue was, said, yes, you have that authority to go out on strike. And, and basically, we called a day, whereas if you don't negotiate with us on, by this day – we're going out on strike, and they wouldn't, and so we did. And it was really hard. It was yeah, a tough, 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 it was, what, tough seven, situation. Seven months, eight months? No, no, no. I don't think we were out. It wasn't that I don't think long. It was that I think long. we were out more it's, than three. It's, I don't it was, think we were. It was out. hard. It, was, it seemed it was like three to four. Seemed longer. Yeah, it was like yeah. yeah uh, but it's. I mean, the issue. November to February. But it was worth yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the issue is amazingly forward thinking for what could be. I mean, right. Both on the studio side and on the the union side. Are you know these are sort of monolithic, uh, right? Companies. Well, and they're and they're, I, they're, they're joined word. together into an even bigger right. monolith. Yeah, the AMPTP, which so is it's, you know. And I think that that was the 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 problem post strike was there was no profit for the members. Right. No immediate, yeah, no yeah. immediately gratification of yeah. we want to strike and look, I got That's this check. And so over, it took a few years before it really became this thing that mm-hmm. now is really generating lots of money for members. But at that moment, in that first two or three years, it was like, and there was a huge, unfortunately, coincidentally, a huge economic right. downturn that had nothing to do with the yeah. strike, yeah. but got associated with the strike Boy, because yeah. jobs went away that were going away, but that, and never came back and, and it was blamed on the strike and had nothing to do with the strike. Right. It well, and it, it, the, also at that time is when you started to see a huge amount of runaway production chasing tax breaks all over. So that's right. where that's where you know the middle class of our industry right. in Los Angeles that's been hit so hard by that that you used to be able to just live right. in L.A. and work on crews and do TV, and now there's right. so much less production here, and people are traveling all over the country. <clears throat> um, so yeah, it was it was a real right. confluence right. of right. Uh, a bunch of things, but right. yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, 
It was. I'm. I'm still glad we did it. I, th- I really. I no, think I mean, that was. And yeah. I, as a member at that time, uh, I mean, it was. You know, it was put out there, and I remember voting for the strike. And you know, had. I mean, I want to be fair that there are, there are members who disagree with that, and that's that's great because we're a union, and so we should debate all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, I, I cannot imagine how things would be if we had not right. done that. The fact right. that if. Right now, basically, people would be in a situation where they might choose for working on a Warner Brothers show that would be union or maybe go do non-union stuff for Hulu. You know where you, right, you're, you're right. out on your own, and that you know. Not well, the that, problem, you know, the problem, and the problem with that is it. the problem with that is as members of the union, you 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 know, if if you the more people who don't do more people who do non-union stuff that isn't covered. Mm-hmm. The less money is going into the union for pension and health and mm-hmm. residuals, and, and that, that affects the other unions as well, because our IATSE's pension and health contributions key off our residuals, isn't that right? Oh, uh, actually, I don't know that. I, I, I seem to remember that. Yeah, so it's, but I think that the the bigger issue for me is that then we have less of an ability to negotiate in the future. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is, if less members are covered by the work that they're doing, uh, then the union is less important in the industry, and then. When we try to get coverage for our members, we have less leverage because mm-hmm. less of our members are doing union work. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that then – and then over time, we not only will we not make gains, but the companies will start taking away the things we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think is this something we sort of saw with the SAG-AFTRA and, and why they wound up merging was because there was no unified voice yeah. representing these yeah. people? Well, also I think that – I mean I think that that's true. I, I think that more – the, the the actors are it's a much tougher business than the writers like yeah, mm-hmm. to be an actor to be a working actor uh you know i don't i think that the percentage of actors who make a living wage as actors mm-hmm. is remarkably small and so that that causes a problem because your your actors are all sort of like you, you it's very hard to unify them it's, sure. it's a larger and, population, too. Yeah, right, right. When we were on strike, uh, the Writers Guild was, I think, 12,000 members, and uh, SAG, uh, if I remember, it was in, like an order of magnitude larger. It yeah, was like 120,000, right, right. and then added after it, which was larger because it was right, uh, right. easier to get into. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a lot more people. And, I mean, even right. within the small membership right. in the Guild, we have political parties. Yeah, right. Like, there are political parties within the Guild. Right. And, you know, so... It's harder to get all those people on the same page. Right. What I, you know, I feel like I would love to see all of the unions in our industry cooperate more and sure. realize because it's you right. know most of the stuff we deal with is financial. If you're talking about certain branches of IATSE, you're talking about safety. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. talking about when you don't Absolutely. have a union, you don't have anyone to call to say, "Hey, I don't feel safe shooting here. Right. Please come right. shut this down." Right. Um, so it's and that's the thing is I mean, and not that the writers guild. You know, if there was a situation where people weren't, you know, right, feeling safe, right. wouldn't get involved. Right. But it, it's it, just the idea that when we in our industry have a countervailing force that is working against the the pure unbridled capitalism of of where the studios are coming from, which which is their job. Their mm-hmm. job is to make us profitable. Their job is to sell the product. But if we don't have anything working against that. 
the impact on quality of life and and safety right. and quality of work, which which honestly affects the quality of the product. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing is it's all going towards the same goal of having a viable industry right. sure. that uh, makes good products that people want to consume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm, no, no, it's good. <laughs> that's absolutely good. I'm going to take off my Che Guevara um, T-shirt. <laughs> no, I, but this is important stuff to put out there, and and it sort of leads me to my next question, which is. You know, what are the issues right now that are important inside the guild? Do the people making decisions uh, or that we've elected to make decisions in the guild? And then how can sort of uh, uh, next to that, how can someone like me who doesn't hold a position, who, you know, is tenuously in there anyway. Right. (laughs) uh, (laughs) How can I get the most out of my union membership? Well, I mean, I think that uh, the issues, you know, ask any member... Ask ten members what <laughs> yeah. the big issue is, and you'll get ten different answers. Uh, the there's a lot of issues about, um, as we were saying earlier, uh, the shorter orders, and uh, a big issue that's happening with, let's say, some of the streaming content is the production is spread over such a long period of time that writers mm-hmm. are really, you know, they they make their writers guild minimum per week, but it it they end up working on this thing for a very long time, and so it. it they end up it ends up not being sort of a good work environment, and then you you have um, lots of sort of financial issues about how writers are getting paid, and those aren't those salaries aren't really covered under uh, the minimum basement agreement. They're usually above what's called above scale, which is like producer level people. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how do we help writers? Who are who are making above scale, but whose uh, salaries getting diluted over such a long period of time? Uh, protect themselves and make sure that that doesn't happen when we don't actually have jurisdiction over producer level writers. Yeah. So that's so that's a that's an issue. Uh, paper teaming is an <clears throat> issue, which is something that that is uh, the guild I think can help with, which is uh, often on some of these smaller staffs. Uh, a showrunner will say to two staff writers, if you team up and split a salary, uh, I'll keep you. That, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, that's And that's something that our own members are doing, but they're doing right. it under pressure from the studios who are saying, I'm not increasing your budget. You want to do this, do this. So there's also something I think that the Guild is very aware of and engaged in and trying to put a stop to. And if if there are members out there or future members out there, just mm-hmm. for what it's worth, uh, I have never... And and this podcast could be the end of this stretch, but I, I've stood up for a number of things over my career, nothing hugely Norma Ray heroic or anything, but I've actually never had any of the executives who hire and fire us lose respect for me or refuse to work with me because I stood up for myself. And that's mm-hmm. true not just of Writers Guild issues, but just in general of negotiations. Right. People mm-hmm. people respect you more when you stand up for yourself, right. you know, and it's hard to do. But right. uh, but so if somebody out there is in that situation, paper teaming or the, the you know, you can repeat your staff writer year even though your contract says you go to uh, right. story editor the next year, yeah. uh, stand up for yourself. It's, yeah. it's hard, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Uh, for new writers, you know, diversity is a big issue. I think that the, the, the stu- and it's mm-hmm. a, this is the issue that everybody's talking about, and it's very serious about, you know, that 
I mean, there's three white guys sitting around these microphones, so it doesn't affect us. But <laughs> the you know, but you know, it, it, getting people of diverse backgrounds and um, mm-hmm. and more women work is a is a very big issue, very big topic at the guild, and how what can the guild do to help uh, even things out? But that's a, that's again a very tough situation. Um, well, I think, and just to speak on that for a second, you know. The question is sort of a broad one, too, about what can the guild do to right. bring in new writers at all. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I joined, I had a terrible experience in the orientation or whatever it was where, oh, is that right? you know, they, we were invited in as new guild members and we were going to be walked through what we get by being in this guild. What, right. are, what are the benefits? Um, and we wound up in a room with 20 other writers, which was, you know, young writers, which right. was great. And it was just Thunderdome. But it was, well, <laughs> but it was run by these two old guys who didn't want to be there or were not happy about their lives and just wanted to tell us how I we think were going to be shit on. I think that's changed. When yeah. did you join, I hope so. When did you join so the... Uh, probably eight years ago. Now the new members' orientation is run by Billy Ray and David okay. Shore. Who are working writers, which uh, who is are great. enormously successful writers yeah. and all great guys, and uh, and Billy especially, I think, takes a really strong hand in new member orientation. Robin Schiff, I think, is involved in that as well. Also, a writer with a great long career, um, and so that I think new member orientation, they took your note. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a much, so. it's a much more kind of proactive. Uh, uh, kind of thing and, and that's right. mentorships and things like that and so that yeah I think, so, I think mentorship is really yeah something so, that that culture of mentoring can yeah, offer is yeah. essential to our to our industry it's, I mean I, every once in a while I run across writers who aren't aren't really interested in that and that right. makes me enormously sad because right. I I think look there are great screenwriting programs out there and people listening may say but what about this this one right. I don't know that there is a screenwriting program at any school out there that you can go to where you will come out day one ready to work mm-hmm. in this industry. Most of us are taught by other writers Absolutely. on the job. Yeah. And that and that process. And that goes, I think, for, for feature writers right. as well uh, in a slightly different process. But that that culture is vitally important. Yeah. And, and I think I think it's part of being, I don't know if it's about being a good union member, but being a good citizen of our right. industry. Mm-hmm. But there is, I mean, I think, and to be honest, the writers panel series and podcasts right. came out directly that right? from that experience oh, that right? of okay. the guild because mm-hmm. I was looking for right. member, uh, mentorship. I was uh-huh. looking for, I know the institutional sure. knowledge is out there. Right. So is is mentorship uh, an official part? Well, of there are a lot of different kind of mentorship programs. There's also just lots of uh, both at the guild and also the Writers Guild Foundation does mm-hmm. lots of panels, lots of um, you know, uh, education, and and I think that any member sort of looking for that kind of thing will find it if they go That's to the great. guild. Mm-hmm. I think it's there, and That's and great. there's just a lot of a lot of uh, more senior members who are there ready to help. And yeah, it seems more active. And also, it's too. your guild. If it's not there, right, then Make get involved it. and right. create it. Yeah. I, I met uh, a guy uh, last week. I think uh, God forgive me if I get his name wrong. It's Sam Miller, who's involved in. Uh, with this, uh, the writer's boot camp, and he, you know, he's a young guy and getting his first jobs, and he's doing this. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, and the writer's boot camp is a great program where it's sort of teaching writers who who are on their first job how to keep it. 
That's great. And like just that's sort of, so valuable. Uh, I think that that's a really useful thing. Yeah, it's been nice yeah. seeing things like that oh, in right. the tra- showrunner training program right. things pop up. Uh, well, and, 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 a, and a lot of this stuff, I think the showrunner training program was already in place before the strike, mm-hmm. but, but a lot of this stuff came out of, I mean, particularly if you were a feature writer, uh, you were kind of in a vacuum uh, as far as knowing other writers. So it wasn't until people were on a picket line. Not right. that a picket line right. is a great way to spend your time. <laughs> right. That's but true. when when you know when our membership is involved, when yeah. they know each right. other, you have other people to reach out to for resources to call and say, if not specifically the guild, somebody you know through the guild to call and say, hey, they're trying to do this to me. They're offering that. Is that okay? Is this you know because that's the other great thing is just having a resource that's that's not. Your agents or your manager, uh, and you know, bless their hearts, they're great, but they, you know, have their own, you know, dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want you to walk away from this deal. You know, they don't want you to piss off this person. Um, but so having people who really their only dog in the fight yeah. is to make sure their right. writers are looked out for is huge. Right. Let's uh, let's talk about th- we, we. You started talking about the biggest issues and the biggest challenges that we're facing right, right. now. Right. When is the next uh, contract negotiation? There's a contract negotiation next uh, May. Okay. And, uh, you know, what those issues are that will be important are sort of now coming forward. You know, this is of less interest probably to new members or people who aren't in the guild yet, but there are a lot of issues around pension and health that Mm -hmm. we'll probably be dealing with. but also, we still want to try to uh, solidify the gains we've made over time in cable. We've made a big gain in cable last time. Yeah. And uh, the, the streaming residual for reruns from broadcasts and cable is still a, um, kind of this thing that's left over from the strike that we ne- we didn't get a good formula on. And mm-hmm. I don't know when we'll be able to rectify that, but that's something that is always something we, we need to be uh, focused on sure. because writers are not getting the money they sort of deserve from that. Yeah, I mean, the 08 strike was kind of the foot in the door saying, right. you just admit that yeah. we are due something right. for this. I mean, because right. uh, right. and, and, and that admission took time because yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they agreed to pay it and then right. they wouldn't pay it. And, right. you know, now they pay it. Right. So it's about improving uh, on that. I, I, right. I, don't, I don't know if there's anything that I've heard of on the horizon that is a big sort of like, well, not as I mean, as far as like I mean, no. Now what we're sort of realizing, you know, is that things, um, the, the the business within that model, the business is, has has um, you know is is growing and changing, and and new things crop up that mm-hmm. we have to sort of. Yeah. Deal with, yep. but but no, I don't. I well, don't. And, and I don't see anything. I've 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 been told that the studios are actually making more money than they ever have. Yes, they're, the they're, profits are amazing, and, yeah. and 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 we're still when we negotiate, it's it's really funny right. because they're kind of still negotiating like it's two thousand eight and we're yeah, in the middle yeah. of a housing right. crisis because that worked really well for them, right? But. They're making money hand over fist, not off, just off of new product, but off of old right. product. It's mm-hmm. you know they're the you know again. and so that's the issue that yeah. that's the issue that facing the guild, which is how do you educate the members in such a way to make them realize that by being unified, we can make gains in those areas because the companies, as much as they sometimes cry poor, are doing just just great. 
yeah. and that point point zero one percent of their profits would change our lives. But right. they, how do we? The only way to get them give, to give that up and give it to us is through unified mm -hmm. uh, organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean uh, that's sort of I guess at the end of the day, what what the union does is it right. lets all of us negotiate a little bit like Stephen Bochco can. Yeah, exactly. You know? right. like that's, that's that's what it exactly is. Because right. you, you come right. in the industry like you're you're you know you're young, you're clearly a genius, you've written a screenplay, right. and you know. Um, and you kind of tend to think of it, I think, as like, okay, well, I'm going to get my reps and take care of myself. But the truth is the day is going to come, even if you, you know, come out like a rock star, yeah. the day is going to come that you're not going to have that power. Um, and by pooling that power together, it really is like, what's that thing about raising yeah. all ships? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. A rising tide. There you go. That. <laughs> a tide so, flight. Something like that. Teach a man to fish uh, and he, he, then you'll right. meet a guy with no uh, feet. Jesus loves something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that the, uh, the the point that you make is a, is a great one because I think that the other thing that I always forget to talk about is the studios need the guild writers. Like by getting yourself in the guild, however you did it, you're a part of a, a universal sort of reputation. The fact of the matter is the studios would happily work with non-guild writers. They would happily hire them. They would happily scab. And they don't because the good writers are in the guild. They need the writers who are in the guild to do the shows they want to do and do the movies they want to do. It's a really simple thing. Uh, and our issue as a guild is making sure the writers hang together and recognize the, the, our strength in numbers and in unity. And we should say we're not talking about you know some some golden select group. It's very easy to get in the guild, right? And, 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 and we talked about that. And we're unique, unique in that way. Yeah, exactly. right? I mean, right. it, it, other unions, what you have to go through. It's yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure right. they have their reasons for that. But it, one of the lovely thing about the Writers Guild is just get the job, and then someone will call you and want your dues because you're in, right? Yeah. You know, which is which is okay. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you're. Like I said, I love getting those residual but checks. But I love that I have and, health care when the, I'm not That working. actually is one of the great things is, it is the entrance is a meritocracy. Yeah. You, you have to write that spec. You have to get yourself that job. And once you do. And you, it doesn't have to be a big job. No. But, like but that's it, important. It, you know, yeah. you've, you've proven that you belong as part of that membership. Yeah. And it does. It guarantees a basic level of quality. And it guarantees, yeah. you know, it's, right. it's one of those things. It's, you know, we're, we're in a strange moment in American political discourse where, you know, unions really in some quarters are getting just yeah. bashed right and left and, and, and genuinely gutted, you know, uh, in in certain states and certain, you know, areas. I mean, even, you know, a little bit of the runaway production, mm -hmm. you know, it's a form of union busting. They're going sometimes to right to work states. And right. uh, and there are absolute consequences to that. Um, so, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't unions that haven't strangled their industry. That that can happen to anything unchecked is problematic. Mm -hmm. But uh, coming myself from a right to work state, coming in from the outside, and you know, getting I, when I joined the guild, I was like, they're trying to drown me in paper. <laughs> like I was getting all these letters True. back and right. forth, east to west, and then this huge packet of pension and health, and you know, and I was like, what is all this? It's really it's a bunch of people, some of whom are now long dead, who <laughs> want to have your back, you right. know, because that's the thing you were talking <laughs> no, about. That's that, great. That's great. Wasn't there great a way thing, to put it? Yeah, the, the, the I love Lucy residuals didn't. It, wasn't that one of those things that they gave up? Am I yeah, crazy? yeah. No, they gave up money on anything before 1960. Mm -hmm. yeah. Actually, residuals ha happened later. 
so I think that that was. But yeah, I, thought they, I they, love Lucy was a specific deal. I think, point, I think it might be. I I don't. I actually don't remember. You can I don't look know, that but up I on think, Wikipedia. But I think that residuals came later, and it was came at a point where um, writers had more power. But it was it was I think everything before 1970, like they weren't getting residuals yeah. on, and and um, which is Star so, Star Trek as well, which is like yeah. in the, I think. Yeah. So so that's a you know those again those writers gave up money so that yeah. we would have money i mean it's it's a and really I, yeah and i will add just you know to sort of put a cap on this you know if we are greater as a group we can do more as a group if getting someone's back isn't enough for you think of joining the guild as taking care of yourself in 25 years absolutely you know right. because that was to to goodman's point when we started that's a lot of the stuff that, yeah. that we're talking about and part of the reason for the guild. Well, and that is really an important point, especially if you're, you're a young person just breaking in. You've got to, you know, this union has been around for a long time but requires uh, renewed commitment for every member who joins and that uh, a writer's got to realize what's at stake for themselves if they don't commit to the union yeah, yeah. It's, it's i mean in addition to you know i mean so many writers that i talk to are aspiring they're focused on how do i get an agent how do i get a manager right. how do i get a job getting into that guild having a union that's an essential part of your team yeah. you know yeah. i mean because uh, what your agents and managers are negotiating is over and above right. stuff that generations went out on strike right. to say you can't go below this Right. You know, so that's that's an important thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys have energized me. Oh, good. You sincerely have. I mean, it spins up on the table now, holding I've a sign some that says and I'm excited. Like, I want to get involved now. To oh, be good. honest. Well, great. Uh, so, so thank it. you guys. Let's end um, happily by asking you what you are watching on television. <laughs> Slack, you mentioned you're watching Gilmore Girls. I am watching Gilmore <laughs> what Girls. Else are you and and am blown away at what a great show it is. It, it, it is. It's <laughs> it's it holds up enormously well. Um, oh God, what else am I watching? I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> I know Gilmore I'm watching Girls. things. Just, just Gilmore Girls. We've been, understand. We've been, well, this speaks to the changing way we watch television. We are chain-smoking Gilmore Girls. Right. Just <laughs> like I recently read The Count of Monte Cristo. It's, you know, however, right. your, your old book, we, we consume TV. Like, Absolutely. Everything is available 15 years ago, it would have been weird to say, right. like, yeah, I'm right. watching the first season of Bewitched. <laughs> yeah, no, but now, so if right. somebody told me that, I would just, you know, think, well, you're a hipster. But, you know, right. um, I, I loved The Nick. Mm-hmm. Loved the Nick and, and uh, like start to finish. That was that was probably one of my absolute favorite things. And and there's a boy. The, if you if you've watched the whole show, the the there's a scene in the finale of uh, have, of yeah. the series that is the best depiction of what it is like to be in a writer's room when your showrunner is <laughs> oh, melting down. Um, <laughs> no, but it was a truly truly great right. show. There was a great. Uh, I watched the People versus O.J. Simpson, which was, an oh, awesome, was ama- amazing. But I could just see there was this moment in there <laughs> where, which was the writers just talking about writing, where they were talking about uh, the woman who had all the Mark Furman interviews, and that she was a failed screenwriter who was now teaching screenwriting. And, the, and they stop to have like three of the main characters say, "Wait a minute, she she's a failed screenwriter. How does she teach screenwriting?" And it was I'm I haven't asked the writers yet. I'm going to. It was like that's. 
just you guys just stopping. Oh, to, yeah, that, to take that, that it was even one moment. Voice. That was, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. I don't believe that the, that Johnny Cochran was asking that question. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, that's hilarious. But, uh, but yes, that was that, that was, was amazing. That was Great amazing. Uh, I've been watching. I just started Daredevil, which is really quite good. I was, and then I'm a big geek. I watched Legends of Tomorrow, which is like a living Fun. comic good. book. All those DC shows are really really fun. good. Yeah, Flash I mean, is also really good. Very uh, much digging Supergirl. I love yeah, Supergirl. Supergirl is a great show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, but Game of Thrones, and uh, I watch a lot of television. Oh, it's uh, American. It was a great show, amazing. also that I think is really underrated. Is The Last Ship? I don't know if you guys watch that. I have not watched it. It's really well done. The script is good. I it's, remember reading. Yeah, it's a really well done show. I, I, it's it's like it, it has. A, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I wrote a book, couple books, but one, the autobiography of James T. Kirk. So. You're a Star Trek fan. Go buy it. Uh, but uh, and Last Ship is kind of weirdly like Star Trek, except it's on a boat. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, no, there's a, a crazy amount of good television. Yeah, there is. And then, yeah. as you say, everything's available. Yeah, everything's too, available. So like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. watch that also. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's really yeah. remarkable how much good stuff there is. So. Well, yeah. thank you guys for being here today. I oh, really you're appreciate welcome. It. I think, thank you for uh, having me. Thank you. New, I think listeners and especially new writers will get a lot out of this today. So thanks. Sure. Cheers. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.